we have got four weeks set aside to bring what we have prayed about as our vision and values of Freedom Church, just to help you understand where are we going, what are our values, what are, what are our, what's our vision here as a church. And um, this first week is, when I was actually looking at it and looking what to bring, I thought, you know what, I should really just have a stool and sit. It needs to be very informal. We're just telling the story. Some of you have heard this, okay? And some of you have heard it more than once. But for some of you, you've not heard the story of how God birthed Freedom Church. And it's funny because at Christmas time, one of the things my kids loved most was, and their cousins, what they would do in the morning was they would go and see Nana and Grandpa in beds. And they would get adventures told to them and stories. And stories about when when I was a child, of the things that I got up to. And this was one of their absolute highlights of telling stories and, and going on adventures. And um, this morning, I want, I want it to be similar. Okay, I want you to just hear the story and hear the adventure that God has us on as Freedom Church. And you know, biblically, it's a huge part of the Bible, isn't it, of remembering. Okay, God asks us to remember so many things. We've got a festival celebrating over 3,000 3, years ago of the Passover, haven't we? That within Jewish custom, they are asked to remember biblically this story of what God did for them in Egypt as he brought them out of slavery. And they sit down together at the Passover and often, I think it's probably Nana or Grandpa or, or Granny will tell the story of how God brought his people out of slavery. And, um, you know, we're also asked, aren't we, to remember Jesus and what he has done for us. Uh, and just, just the amazing uh, privilege of standing in him, of his blood being shed for us and us now coming alive in him. And so, this morning, I'm really just setting the backdrop, okay, to then looking at our vision and our values. Um, so, Acts 13, some of you have heard this, if you want to turn to Acts, turn your Bible to Acts, this is this amazingly powerful prayer meeting going on in the church in Antioch, okay, and we have this, these two guys, uh, let me read it, it says, now in the church at Antioch, it's Acts 13, 1 to 3, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And now, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Okay? This was this phenomenal prayer meeting that they're having. Actually, this church in Antioch, was quite a well-established church. And we know that because if you look at their leadership mix, their makeup, there was actually different races in there. Okay? It was a very multicultural church in Antioch. And it was growing with great speed. Okay? And it was obviously blessed with leadership. But there they are. They're praying and fasting as a church. And they're coming to him and they're saying, Lord, direct us and guide us. 
And you know what? He's faithful and he speaks. Okay? And this is what he says. He says, set apart for me um, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And you know, there's this posture of listening and expecting God to speak. And this coming week, we want to get together and we want a posture of listening, of coming to him, expecting him to speak to us, to bring faith, to guide us for Freedom Church. Because he's the one that's leading this. He's the head. Hope you all know that. He's the head of his church. And he wants to direct us and guide us. And you know, God was planning one of the greatest missionary breakthroughs in the history of the world right there in that prayer meeting. Saul and Barnabas would launch the Christian movement into Asia Minor. And then Saul would carry it on into Europe. And this was a mission that would change the entire world. Ed Stetzer, he's a guy who writes a lot on church planting from America, and he says this. He says, the founding of the Antioch Church may be the most important moment in church history. Antioch would send missionaries throughout the world under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Antioch Church became the first great sending church. Antioch, this church right here, this moment in Acts, was the first time that we see a church plant coming out of a church plant, if that makes sense. It was the first planting church. So we can learn so much from this church in Antioch as we look at how God called and sent people out. And as we look at our story, do you know, every church starts with God. He births it by calling and by speaking. We know, don't we, from creation that he just spoke and things came into being. And when God speaks, faith comes. And he throws things into motion. And I want to talk a little bit, actually, about the call. Okay? How was it that God called us to Liverpool? Just so you understand a bit about myself, a bit about the team who have come to Liverpool. But also your stories. They are part of God's call here to Freedom Church. And they're every bit as important for us to remember. So just a little bit about myself. Um, I am from a family of six. My parents were crazy. They had six children in six years. I'm a twin, so that makes it slightly better, I think, somewhere. After having three children, I'm now in absolute awe and think, how on earth did they do it? They must have been, they must have been insane, really. Um, but you know, we grew up in Biker in Newcastle. So you've got to say Newcastle if you're a true Geordie. Pete, what do you say? Newcastle. I actually am tempted to say Newcastle now as well, so I'm sort of very much losing it. You can't tell the accent. I did have a Geordie accent at one time before I got married to this rather southern lady. Um, and, you know, we grew up, Biker was a very rough area in Newcastle. It was probably the second roughest area in the whole of Newcastle. Um, my parents church planted into Biker. And um, for many years, the church was very small. 
It was probably it was probably 30, it was probably a similar size to this for about seven or eight years. And um, you know, we grew up going to school in biker, our friends were from families where there was real poverty. Okay, we had we lived in the manse, so we used to get our windows smashed probably every other month by kids and by youth who just called us churches. We had our bikes stolen probably every six months from the house. And it was a it was a rough area. But my parents felt called into this area. And actually they saw great fruit. And there's a church very well established now in Newcastle, that's sort of four hundred and fifty people now, the big building in the centre of Newcastle. But it all started there in Biker. And Yeah, yeah. The set wasn't in Biker. It's a bit like Hollyoaks set being here in Liverpool, you know. It was it was Biker. It was that Biker, and they would they would film little parts of it in Biker. But to be honest, Biker was probably a bit too rough for them to come into. Um, so, you know, as soon as the cameras were there, the kids would be gathering around, and you'd get things nicked and what have you. Um, but. It, to be honest, obviously lots of people watch Biker Grove, but it was very uncool to watch Biker Grove if you were from Newcastle. You didn't do it. Um, so, I don't know whether you watched it, Pete. No. No. Um, and you know, I, as a, as, a, as a youth, started to backslide from God, and I was getting into all sorts, and was going out drinking very regularly from quite a young age. And um, at the age of 19... I remember God clearly got hold of me. I, I'd seen so many things in my life. I'd seen God move. I knew he was real. I, I knew that he loved me. And yet I was trying to run away from him. And he grabbed hold of me just before I came to university in Leeds. And he said, you need to make this. And I always thought, oh, when I've got kids and a, and a wife and a family, I'll sort of maybe start back to church. And he said, no, now is the time. I've got plans for you. Uh, and I want you to, to be on me. And I thought, okay, so I gave my life to him um, again there at 19. I'm powerfully moved by him. And um, we joined a church, I joined a church plant uh, in Leeds, uh, which was Gateway. And there was probably maybe maybe 15 or 16 adults at the time. And um, started leading the student work there. There was two students in the church. Started leading the student work with a, uh, another girl who had just joined the church plant there, and um, we saw an amazing work happen. God bless us with students and within the Thanks, Matt. I was leading the church there for nine years as an elder before God just started to shake. Do you ever get that thing where you just start to feel uncomfortable? He's starting to shake the roots. He's starting to put a few things out of place. And you start to feel like, hold on, what are you doing here, Lord? And um, just really started to feel God move us on. And I was sitting with John Payne, um, who we've had come and speak from Harrogate. And he said to me, Chris, what's God calling you to? And I said, I, I don't think he's calling me to anything. You know, I feel like I'm here, I'm in Leeds, I'm a gateway. And he said to me, let's just pray. And we prayed and I just got Liverpool pop into my head. 
And it was one of the bizarrest things, and it was the only thing. And he says, what have you heard? And I said, Liverpool just popped into my head. And you know what? I sidelined it and just left it there. But you know, God doesn't allow us to just sideline things. He keeps bringing it back up. So he still started shaking the roots of what was going on in Leeds and at Gateway. And I was praying one morning and really started to get faith that actually, hold on, it is time to move on. And as I was praying, I was like, Lord, where do you want me? And again, Liverpool just came very clearly to me. Um, and I just felt like I'm saying Liverpool. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you're going to you're gonna have to give me faith and you're certainly going to have to give my wife faith. And, you know, God speaks in so many different ways, doesn't he? And, and different people need different, um, they need dif- different levels of understanding and, and, and confirmation essentially. And I was convinced I'd heard God on Liverpool. So I thought, Lord, if it's you, you're going to have to continue to speak. And the call that I felt, um, there were some things that started falling into place. Okay, so, so as, I, as I started to wrestle with this and pray through it, um, I had a conversation with Matt Hatch, who again, we know. And uh, Matt had always said to me, Chris, if you ever feel the call to church plant, come and speak to me. So I went and approached Matt Hatch, and I said, Matt, I'm, I, need to, I need to talk. And he said, yeah, what's, what's up? I said, I think God called me to church plant. And he said, where? And I said, Liverpool. And he said to me, do you know, Chris, I have a funny feeling there is a grant available for Liverpool. I went, what do you mean a grant? He said, there's a grant of money available. He says, I don't know. You'll have to ask Jeremy. Now, Jeremy leads Christ Central. He's what we're under. So I thought, okay, I've got to go and speak to Jeremy about feeling this call to church plant. So I rang Jeremy. I said, we need to meet. And um, I met with Jeremy, and my wife and I met with Jeremy, and, and I asked him, I said, Jeremy, I've heard there might be a grant. He said, I don't know anything about a grant. I was like, okay, fair enough. There's no grant. Um, and he says, I'll check it out. And so he had to call Central New Frontiers. And at the time, New Frontiers was going through a huge shift. So it was going from a very central point to decentralization into spheres. And so he rang the central part and said, is there, a, is there a fund at all there for church planting? They said, and they looked through the books, they came back, they said, there's only one fund. It's for Liverpool specifically. It was gathered seven years ago. And within this length of time, it will be gone because we're decentralizing the pot. And so he came back to me and says, it's amazing. There's a grant available for Liverpool. It's been sitting there. No one's used it. And it will be gone in this length of time. And I thought, wow, okay. There's something going on here, Lord. You're providing already for us, potentially, as a church plant. And there was lots of things. And as I started to think, how do I explain how God calls us? There's so many things that I could tell you, so many stories that I could go into. um, But I don't have enough time for that. So I'm just going to share some of the significant things that I feel uh, are important in in my story. Uh, And then I want you to hear a few other stories about how God called. It was funny because I went to Tor and said, Tor, I feel like God's calling us to church plan and it's to Liverpool. And you'll hear later what her response was, but it wasn't the most positive. Um, Liverpool don't get the best rep, do they, in the media. That is a reality. It's not a city that probably people look at and go, great, let's go to Liverpool. It doesn't have that reputation. 
There are some great things here in Liverpool. And actually, as you start to look into Liverpool, you think, wow, this is a great city. And having been here and living here, we love it. But at the time, it was difficult. But I remember we, I said this to Tor, Tor was like, no way, no way. We're not going church planting, and I'm definitely not coming to Liverpool. And we used to go on training together, theological training. And I remember telling Tor, and two days later, we went on training. And Chris Butland was sitting in the car with us, and he used to come with us, and there was five of us who used to go. And he turned to me in the car, and he said, he said, I feel like God's been stirring me, Chris. And he said, well, do you want to come and share what, do you remember what you said? And he said, he said, Chris, I feel like God's stirring me about Liverpool, and it's getting to the point where either we, I go now, or I don't go for 15 years because of the stage of life that I'm in. And Tor looked at me and was like, have you been speaking to Chris? I was like, okay. And I couldn't say anything to Chris because Tor and I had just started talking about it. It wasn't one of those things that was, we were ready to talk about as a couple. Uh, we were still waiting for God to come and speak. But again, just confirmation after confirmation. This is often how God speaks, isn't he? He brings confirmation through prophecy, through stories, through things that have happened, through provisions. And so bit by bit, God really started to build faith for us as a couple, for me specifically, that Liverpool was the place he was calling us to. I want to just ask Tor, or, or does Becky want to come first? If Tor's, are you busy? Tor just wants to share a little bit about her testimony, about how God spoke to her uh, about this call to Liverpool. Yeah, so I wasn't exactly ecstatic when Chris announced um, about coming to Liverpool for probably a few reasons, but it's funny, isn't it, how your family can influence you, like where you're used to and things like that. And um, and I just suppose all I'd ever really heard was the negative media press about Liverpool. And to be fair, it wasn't so much... Actually, it wasn't completely an anti-Liverpool thing. It was just an anti-going-anywhere, thank you very much. I'm actually really quite comfortable here. And we've got our kids here. I've got Jessie, who's starting school here. We've got a really good network. I've worked really, really hard, actually, here. And I love being where I am. And God's just provided us with this comfortable home. And there were just things like that, you know, that actually I felt very settled in the kind of general part of life um, about where I was. And I didn't really fancy giving that up. Thank you very much, God. And um, and it, the, the wrench, the grief that that was sort of going to unleash, if you like, of leaving all that behind was just kind of too much to bear at that point. And um, so, yeah, I was a bit anti it, to say the least. So there was a lot of tears, a couple of tantrums. Um, that, was, that was me, not the kids. Um, and, um, yeah, I really did dig my heels in, but it was amazing. Like, God literally, it was literally two days after Chris first told me that Chris Butman announced that. Because one of my things was, I don't want to go. Who's going to come with us to Liverpool? Like, honestly, you know, and there was already God sowing the seeds of you wouldn't be going alone. You'd be, you know, some of the really relationships that are so precious to you, God, God was saying, I'll send with you. There was a lot of, lot more to the story. I'm going to coin Karen's phrase, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of blah, blah, blah. Feel free to ask me about those at some point. But kind of, I'll jump five months now, and it was kind of June, and it was getting, Chris was getting a bit desperate because we, you know, we knew this grant wasn't forever. We needed to make a decision, announce it to the church, announce it to the region, 
if we were going to go, it would be great to tell people so that others could be stirred to come as well. And, um, and I was still digging in my heels, so there was still nothing happening. And, um, and then God just completely bombarded me in this three-week period. We went to visit some family of mine, and visiting them were some other really good, fa- um, some other cl- close family, if you like, who I didn't know very well at all, who live in the Wirral. And they were like, oh, Liverpool's great, yada, yada, yada. You must visit it sometime. And we're like, mm, yes, we have. And we're thinking about, no. Um, and then, um, and then I, every day when I got in the radio during this, when I got in the car and turned on the radio during this three weeks, You'll Never Walk Alone was playing on the radio every single time I turned it on. It was like, what's going on? Because Chris had had a go at me when I, well, not had to go. He'd been, you know, pushing me. What, what's, when are you going to make your mind up? And the next morning, I got in the car and turned it on. And so I texted him going, oh, you'll never believe what just happened. So for him, he's thinking, she's, she's there. And I was, but I wasn't. These, I was still writing all these things off. And then um, to, to kind of jump to the end, I, um, one morning, he was like, oh, you've had this sign and that sign. And everyone you've met for the last three weeks has been from Liverpool and gone on about how great it is. And what more do you need? I went, I don't know. I just need more. And it was, it was one of those really kind of uh, moments. And suddenly I heard, literally breaking through my kind of, I just need more. Um, I heard on the radio, um, it was UCB playing on the radio, and it was the word for today. And I've managed to find it, because I forgot to put it in my diary. I chopped it out and put it in my diary. But I found it online this morning. And these are the words. This is partway through the word for today. But this, is, this just literally cut through as we were talking. I heard these words, and it says, um, here's a thought. When God speaks to you, he may not tell you want to, what you want to hear or send you where you'd like to go. Have you considered that? Is that why you're not actively seeking his guidance? <laughs> Big doors swing on little hinges because it's all about how Philip was told to go, arise and go towards the desert. Go where? To the desert? Are you serious, Lord? And how in the desert he met the Ethiopian eunuch who was like the secretary of the treasury and then the unit went back to Ethiopia, and then multitudes went to Christ as a result, etc., etc. But it only happened because Philip could leave his comfort zone, step out in faith, and follow God. Bottom line, in order to lead others, you must know how to be led by God. And as I heard those words on the radio, I just something in me broke, and it was a, it was about obedience. And as soon as I went, oh wow, God, you really mean this. You really want me to go to somewhere that feels like the desert for me at the moment, but you're going to bless me and others richly through it. As soon as I had that and just gave myself up to that, I got peace and excitement. And the rest of the journey has been really, really exciting and amazing. A bit of grief leaving, but that was how He clearly called me, and I'm so grateful for that because I needed that clarity. Exactly. And the best is yet to come. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Becky, are you okay to come and share your story? It's really important this just to hear. And again, I want to say there's been great cost, okay, for many of us here. Whether or not you have moved hundreds of miles or five miles or one mile from where you were, there is cost in hearing God's having faith and doing. Okay? And your story is so important. I want to encourage you to keep telling your stories to one another because they bring faith. Okay? Your story of how God has led you here to Liverpool, to Freedom Church, is so vital in his big story of what he's doing. 
<coughs> yeah, so um, Chris and Tora come to us and asked us if we wanted to church plant with us with them. And um, at that time, I think Liverpool was on the cards, but it wasn't sort of definite. And Matt and I were really stirred. Actually, if there's many people that we would church plant with, Chris and Tora definitely those people. And we just really felt God call us and say, yes, I want you to go with them. Or we we kind of felt stirred um, that we were being, that we, this, this is a couple that we could go and we could leave our home and we could serve with them. Um, and then Liverpool kind of came up and it was a little bit less certain. I think, similar to all, I just never really felt Liverpool on my heart. It had never really been there. I don't have anything particular against Liverpool, but it's just never really been there. Um, and I think, again, similar to Chris and Tor, um, Matt was much further along the line than I was and was quite sort of, yes, we'll go, but obviously we can't go unless I'm happy with that as well. Um, and one day I was at home and I was praying about it and I was really struggling because, again, we had great family um, in the church there. We had great networks. We were at home in Leeds. But um, I was praying about it one morning and I was like, how on earth are we ever going to come to that decision? How do you make that decision about where God wants you to go? And I'd, I picked up one of my magazines. So I'm a, a doctor. I work in obstetrics and gynecology. And I picked up my um, magazine and it usually has loads of bump in it, various leaflets. And the first thing that fell out was this leaflet. In the world of medicine, in England, generally happens in London. Not much happens outside of there. All the colleges are down there and everything happens there. And this leaflet fell out, and it's the first time I'd seen it. And it says, first announcement, Royal College Royal Congress, Liverpool, UK, 2013. And I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. And then on the other side, it says, with great pleasure, I invite you to the World Congress in Liverpool. And it gives a little bump about how great Liverpool is and what's here and why you'd want to live here, why you'd want to come. Hugely diversity, bursting with life, music, colour and culture, with a fascinating history. There's museums, there's galleries, all this wonderful stuff. Um, and just says, we hope you can join us at the World Congress. I encourage you to put your date in your diary. And I was just, you know, when I think for me it had to be something really obvious that was going to get us here. And things that have happened since then, so we've had to sell our house and find a house and get the kids into school, and there's been lots of things with jobs. And, and for me, it was really obvious that God needed to give me something hard that I could go back to when things got really hard along the way. It's been sort of a year of us getting here and being like, how are we going to get here? And I, God just really gave me something I could come back to and something solid that wasn't like, did God really speak to me? Well, actually, yes, he did, because it's right here. <laughs> so I think that's just really powerful it's the really the only time God's spoken to me like that in our, my, our lives but I just felt it was really powerful and something really for us to hold on to along the way he's a great orchestra isn't he he orchestrates everything in his perfect timing and it's funny because the morning that Becky heard God was the day that we were sharing with our church that we were going and that we were going to Liverpool. And I remember Tor was round at Becky's in that, on that morning. And Becky was, I think, upset that she couldn't say to us, yes, we're coming with you. Because she needed, and actually that's absolutely right, she needed to know God had called her to Liverpool. And it was that exact day, wasn't it? It's correct. It was the day that we were bringing it. And actually, it gave me amazing peace. I'm, I'm really steady most of the time. Okay? And this was the same for our wedding day. 
I knew I wanted to marry Tor. She was definitely the one for me. Steady all the way along till the wedding day. And then I was a bag of nerves. And it was the same on this day as we were bringing this news to the church that we were going to Liverpool. And it wasn't that I was a bag of nerves about going church planting. It was the location. I had a few people whispering in my ear, telling me, come here, come there. Um, and one of the places was Northern Ireland. And I do a lot of my work in Northern Ireland. And I had two guys badgering me saying, look, come over to Northern Ireland. And I got up to pray that morning. And I came down and I said to Tor, Tor, I'm, I'm not sure it's Liverpool. I think maybe it's Northern Ireland. And she said, and Tor by this point had got there. And she's there. She's like, well, you better go back and pray. And hear properly on this. And so I went back and I prayed and I felt God say to me, this isn't about the best business option or business decision that you're making this move to Liverpool. This is about where I've called you that I want to extend my kingdom in through Freedom Church. And so I came down again. I was like, no, it's definitely Liverpool. And she went, good. I knew that already, but good. You've got there. And then we got this news from Becky that she had this thing fall out of this magazine that she just got that morning. And it was just that real confirmation of peace. Yes, Lord, you're clearly, clearly calling us to Liverpool. And it's just so important that you understand that God has birthed Freedom Church and he's birthed it through speaking. And not just speaking to one person, but speaking to many. And I know that actually there's so many stories amongst us of how God has led us here. There's stories of applying for teaching and getting on. There's stories, even Guy and Lauren who have just arrived, the story that they have, Guy was speaking for the first time ever in his church in Oxford, and in Cambridge, sorry. And he told the church congregation, so we're at this crossroads. Lauren has a part-time job in Liverpool, but a full-time position in Newcastle. And she's from Newcastle. And he said, so we need to make this decision. That exact Sunday, Becky and Matt were at the church. And they were at the church totally coincidentally because Becky was visiting her sister, where Matt wasn't at the church, but Becky was. He was right on the preach. Becky was with her sister, who doesn't go to that church, but they decided on that morning to go check out the church in Cambridge. And so she was sitting there in the congregation and heard this guy say, so we've got to make this decision on Liverpool or Newcastle. And so she went to speak to Guy afterwards, and Guy said, yeah, you know, we're thinking about Freedom Church. Lauren's cousin is... It's planted a church there. It's Freedom Church. Do you know it? Becky was like, yes, we know it. We're in it. And again, just the confirmation that they got up and they spoke and they were seeking guidance, seeking direction, and they have in faith believed this was a God thing. This was a God thing. This was not coincidence. This was God incidence. Okay? He's orchestrating things for his works, for his church. It's exciting, isn't it? Um, as I said, I just get so much encouragement as I hear the stories of how God is working things for his glory. And um, I just want to just briefly look at vision. Okay, so here we are going to be exploring our vision and our values Okay, over these next few weeks. And I'm not diving into these, but I'm going to just try and give you a little bit of background about how we started to go about receiving vision for Freedom Church. I love this little quote 
says this about vision. Sight is a function of the eyes. Vision is a function of the heart. Sight is a vision of the eyes. Vision is a function of the heart. You know, there's a story told about Walt Disney. Some of you may know this story. And he's sitting on a bench at Disney World and he's staring into space. And a worker of his asked, Mr. Disney, what are you doing? And he answered, I'm looking at a mountain right here. And Walt told his architects about this experience and they drew this plan up for Space Mountain according to his specifications. But you know what? He died before it was ever built. And um, he therefore missed the ride's construction. And at the dedication ceremony, one of the workers stood up to introduce Mrs. Disney. And he said, it's a pity Mr. Disney is not here to see this mountain, but his wife is. And Mrs. Disney walked onto the stage. She looked at the crowd and she said, I must correct this young man. Walt already saw this mountain. It is just you who are starting to see it now. He'd already seen something in his heart. He'd been captured by a vision. And they constructed this vision. And it was then that they were seeing it. And um, vision is one of those things that you, I believe it comes from God for his church. Okay? But there are things that we can do to help him to speak to us. And so all I could think of doing, obviously I heard this clear call to Liverpool, but that was all I'd heard. And all I could think of doing, we got together as a team and we started praying. And we started saying, Lord, speak. And we looked at Nehemiah and he was called to go to the city and have a look around. And so we started venturing into Liverpool and looking around it. And I started looking at all the different history over Liverpool. And I wanted to know more about what is this city about? Why has God called us here? Why is he sending us to the city of Liverpool? And, yep, there was a lot of prayer, a lot of head scratching. But, you know, as we looked and as we investigated Liverpool, we saw this amazingly impressive city. And it is. We live in this impressive city. As you look at its history we know some of the things about it. I, I know I've mentioned so many times, some of you are going, oh, not again, these facts about Liverpool, okay? Who can tell me some of these amazing facts about Liverpool? Come on, has, has any of it drifted in there in your minds? Shout out some of the things about Liverpool that you know. Lots of firsts. Do you know any of the firsts? First school for the blinds. Didn't know that one, Ruth. There you go. Uh, I don't know if it was the first GP, but we'll take it anyway, yeah. First passenger railway, I believe, yes. Well done, Tom. Any others that you can think of? Tropical medicine. First school of tropical medicine in the world. Do you know... First, first Chinese community in the whole of Europe. Okay. Do you know, it's impressive. It, has the, it had the first ever enclosed wet dock here in Liverpool in the world. The largest brick-built building in the world is right here in Liverpool. Did you know that? The largest brick-built building in the world still stands here in Liverpool. You what? 
It used to be the tobacco warehouse. What's it called? Anyone know what it's called? It's on the dark side. It's massive. It's got the largest collection of grade two listed buildings in the UK outside of London. Do you know 40% of the world's trade passed through Liverpool docks in the early 19th century? It has two world-class, maybe not world-class, one world-class, two world-class football clubs. It's the birthplace of the biggest planet, the biggest band on the planet. Okay. Atomic Kitten, exactly. Do you know, for periods during the 19th century, that the wealth of Liverpool exceeded that of London. And obviously you've got Liverpool's Custom House. It was the single largest contributor to the British Exchequer. It was actually known as the New York of Europe. That was Liverpool. It was vast. It was impressive. Railways, transatlantic steamships, municipal trams, electrical trains were all pioneered in Liverpool as modes of mass transport. In 1829, 1836, the first railway tunnels in the world were constructed under Liverpool. The RSPCA, the NSPCC, Age Concern, Relate, Citizens Advice Bureau, Legal Aid, all evolved from the work in this city of Liverpool. It's huge, isn't it? It's very, very impressive. But as we looked... And as we studied its history, we saw that a lot of its wealth, all of this wealth, came from the slave trade. Okay? It had a huge part to play. It had a great route over to the Americas. And its wealth was built on the slave trade. And it was in this, it was in this moment that we felt God starting to speak. Okay? we began to look at the Bible and we started to see the overall narrative of the Bible. And the message throughout history of the Bible was one of freedom. Freedom from bondage, freedom from slavery. We see it, don't we, as we look at Egypt, we see the people of Israel. I've mentioned it this morning. They're clearly, physically enslaved by another nation. And then we see it throughout history, throughout the Bible, that there is a spiritual bondage to sin. That we are actually all slaves from a spiritual perspective. And Christ came as our Passover lamb. His blood was shed so that we could walk free from the bondage of sin and from death. And we believe and we were stirred that God was calling us to Liverpool to bring freedom to this city. To bring freedom to a city. In fact, it was about this city getting a reputation for freedom instead of slavery. Okay, this reputation that it has its wealth built on, we wanted it to become known. and felt God was calling us to have it become known as a city of freedom. And you know, this city is still living in slavery. 
it's enslaved to different gods. To a god of football, to a god of fashion, to a god of wealth, to all sorts of different gods. And we believe God has called us Freedom Church to join in. It's not to say there aren't other churches and communities doing great works, seeing people set free. But specifically, we felt God call us Freedom Church for this reason. And as we looked at the stats, we started to discover some of the devastating facts about Liverpool. 22 of the top 100 areas in the UK, the poorest deprived areas in the UK are right here in Liverpool. 22. That's over a fifth of the poorest areas in the UK are right here in Liverpool. I couldn't quite get my head around this. I started to look at other cities. And I was living in Leeds, and Leeds has zero of those. doesn't have any of those top 100. And I know some of the areas in Leeds. Manchester, who we all think has got so many poor areas that we hear about, had five. One in three houses have no employed persons living in them. One in three. On the 10th of June 2013, I read this quote from a BBC article which shows the results from the Centre for Social Justice and it highlights Liverpool within its report. It says this, In one neighbourhood in the Riverside Ward of Liverpool, there is no father present in 65% of homes with dependent children. Liverpool has eight out of the top 20 areas with the highest levels of fatherless household. That's 40% of the top fatherless areas in the UK are here in Liverpool. And you know, as a team, we suddenly knew, God, what are you calling us to? You're calling us to a city that needs you. You're calling us to bring freedom, spiritual, emotional, physical healing. And we started to get excited. And we started to pray. And God started to stir us on all sorts of things. He started to stir us on social action and social enterprise ideas and initiatives that would serve the city and areas where we could gather large groups to again hear his good news. And he started to stir us all with different things. And I, I've been in the business world and I started to be stirred by God that actually we can use business to fund kingdom. We can use business to fund kingdom. And it led me to a story of a man called Titus Salt. Okay? He was born in Morley in Leeds in 1803. And he ended up running one of the largest textile firms in Bradford. And he became the largest employer in Bradford. And he had a workforce of over 4,000 people. And he realized that as the Industrial Revolution brought booming times for the UK, the pollution it was creating was killing thousands as breakouts of cholera and typhoid spread rapidly through the unclean water and the chimney smoke that was being produced was also damaging health rapidly. And after becoming the mayor and trying to engage business in reducing pollution with little success, he moved to Saltaire. Okay, this is an area in Bradford. And he built his own village. And he built houses for all his workers alongside a park, a church, a school, a hospital, a library, and a whole range of different shops for this community of workers. 
and he realized that working conditions were not good. And so he supported the move to reduce working hours, and he was the first employer in Bradford to introduce the 10-hour day. He's got a magnificent story. And he died on the 29th of December, 1876. And he had been a rich, rich man. Okay? And his family were horrified that his fortune had gone. And it had been estimated that during his lifetime, over half a million pounds he'd spent to other causes, to good causes. And on his death, the Bradford Observer wrote this. Titus was perhaps the greatest captain of industry in England, not only because he gathered thousands under him, but also because according to the light that was in him, he tried to care for all those thousands. Upright in business, admiral in his private relations, he came without seeking the honor to be admittedly the best representative of the employer class in this part of the country, if not the whole kingdom. What a thing to be said about a man. He'd given everything because he believed he'd been given it by God to provide for others and to serve the poor. And he was a voice for the poor. And he was a voice for those who couldn't stand up and speak for themselves. And you know, this man wouldn't want to take any of the glory of what this has said about him. And he was very clear and deliberate about his intentions even in the way he built this village. And this is where it spoke to me. At the center of the village was the church. And at the center of the church was a statue of Jesus. And you know, he knew this. He knew that without Jesus at the center of everything, the houses, the park, the hospital, the generosity was all pointless. And I want to say this, I believe God has stirred us in certain areas, in social enterprise and in social action, because he wants us to do these things. I believe even he has bought us couples, like the Coopers and the Gresties and people who are involved in, in this social en- action and enterprise, because he has plans for us to do these things. And they're already having a massive impact. It's amazing, guys to see the impact that you're having on the north of Liverpool in your area. It's a blessing. And God spoke to us about a team that he would add, a very strong team, because of what he wanted to build here. And we feel so blessed that again he is coming through on his words. And he is gathering to us such a strong team, a team of people who love Jesus who love people, who love Liverpool, and love the nations. And I want to say this. I think sometimes in the excitement, we mistake strategy for vision. And so as we sat down and we started speaking about what truly is the vision that God has for us, I can quite clearly get excited about all the different social action and social enterprise projects that he might put on our laps But fundamentally, our vision as a church is living free, bringing freedom. Full stop. Living free, bringing freedom. If there's something that we want you to go away with today, yes, I want you to hear the story. 
But our mission, what Jesus called us to, is to live free and to bring freedom. And we believe that he has created us to love him, to love one another, to love Liverpool, and to love the nations. And so the way that we outwork this vision is right there. And he is at the core of it all. He's at the core of it all. And I'm not going to be speaking on this vision. Matt is going to be speaking next week specifically on how we live free and how we bring freedom. I'm going to be speaking the week after on loving God and loving one another. And Chris is going to be speaking the week after that on loving Liverpool and loving the nations. And we're going to explore as a church how is God going to shape us to do this in this city?